Hello and Sarah Bang, this is Michelle from the editing booth in post-production. Thank you for tuning in to our special birthday edition episode. I just wanted to come in to clarify uh, two points uh, that were brought up in the discussion we have in this episode. The first is that this episode was recorded um, a few months before the space flight over the summer of 2021 done by Richard Branson and Jeff Bezos. And so our conversation is slightly dated in terms of that. The second point being that when we are discussing the hypothetical question of showing European explorers the realm of space, when we refer to the discovery of America, we mean in the sense of the European discovery of America. We definitely recognize that that geographical part of the world had already been discovered by humanity and settled by Native American tribe populations. Um, So just wanted to clarify those two points. Thank you again for tuning in, and we sincerely hope that you enjoy this episode. Hello, Insara Bay. Hello. Hello. Welcome back, uh, everybody, um, included. Today is, I don't know, it's a special episode for quite a few reasons. Um, first of all, I don't know if you recall in Terrebang, but uh, quite a few episodes ago, we had a friend of the podcast, Diane, come on and um, had a chat with us, and her and Stephanie kind of shared um, about their passion about all things British. Um, and it was a very lovely chat. So she's stopped by the studio once more to uh, kind of chat again today for this episode. So welcome back, Diane. Thanks for coming. Thanks for having me back, Stephanie and Michelle. It's an honor to be back. Ask back. Glad to have you. Glad thanks to have for, you. Thanks for still being a friend of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for surviving and deciding to come back. We appreciate all support. You're so welcome. Like I said, it's an honor. Just for you to be asked twice. Oh, yes. <laughs> You're always welcome back. Um, Thank you. And um, I guess the second reason, you know, for Stephanie, uh, at the time of this episode releasing, it is quite near to um, some anniversaries. Um, so one is about kind of about the topic today somewhat. Um, nearing, I guess, you wanna, do you want to share on this, Stephanie? Oh, it is the anniversary of the Apollo 11 moon landing, the very mm-hmm. first moon land, or man on the moon. Um, so we'd like to commemorate that a little bit um, with this episode. And also, uh, we can say it together. It's our birthday! Happy birthday. One year birthday to What About podcast. Doesn't feel like that to me. I think, which again ties to our theme of space and time dilation and distortion. (laughs) Because it definitely does not really feel like a year, but it definitely feels somewhat. I think we've definitely grown. We definitely yeah. learned a lot. About, learned so much about ourselves, but also potatoes, potatoes, for sure. You know, and podcasts and but yet reduce quality, somewhat quality. <laughs> we we've had a bit of a roller coaster with quality. <laughs> yeah, I think that's fair to say. But on the whole, we know what we're striving for. Yes, better than we did on day one. And um, not to be punny, but it has been a blast. Um, ah. <laughs> so um yeah that is a little extra sprinkle on top for today's episode but i think um yeah so thanks so much interrogating it's really been a true pleasure having you um you know be with us and join us and you know have your company on these on these episodes we've been doing the past year so um, it's been a brilliant forward. treat just to be able to chat with a friend really oh yeah it's uh, it's such a luxury, such a pleasure, such a blessing, all of the above, and uh, looking forward to whatever many many more shenanigans, yeah, <laughs> we or topics we decide to sprout out um, for you. But um, I think today, yeah, kind of already kind of getting into the pilot seat here. I'm going to try to keep up as many puns as I can, but they might go not, for it. They might not land well. <laughs> uh. Lunar commander. Let's hope. Let's hope they do and not topple. Exactly. So not really a a clear opener, but I think you know we did bring you know Diane back to you know she's had 
um, you know, to bring her in her own kind of generational insight. Um, yes, I'm representing the uh, baby boomers, the end of the baby boomers. Over, over on the right here, we have. Yes. <laughs> right. And then on the left, we have the Stephanie. Some youngins. Yeah, the millennial group. Not, not a debate, but it is um, wanting to, you know, um, if you different viewpoints, different what, perspectives. You were what what age when? I was about nine or ten when I when our family watched the moon landing. On, uh, Do you remember where and when, like what you were doing? I guess um, you were just we were all, in front was, of the. Uh, we were after dinner, and we were our dad made us gather all around the television, the black and white television. Uh, in the big console that we had back then, we were human remotes, so there was no electrical <laughs> remote. Or they might have been some, but maybe for the higher end. Sure. The average American middle class. You had family. to fix the antennas, make sure it's tuned yeah, to the right channel. And uh, the kids were basically the human remotes. So <laughs> the mission of the news, but yes. did you know that they were planning to land on the moon? Was that, or was it kind yes. of a surprise the day of? And they said, uh, no, no, it was a long time in coming. Um, it was first discussed that I can recall even though I was quite young when President mm -hmm. John F. Kennedy was all about space, space program. Because we, we learned about the space race in, in history class and what I remember they really get amped up of how intense and what a frenzy it was. It really was a race. Well, history. race to space because we were racing against the Soviets um, mm -hmm. as we were thought to be in quite competition with them after the Cold War, after World War II, no longer allies. And then everything was a race um, to be a better, more powerful nation, including the space race. So did you feel, so that you could feel that every yes. day, just that competitiveness? Yes, we felt to be better. we were in taught in public elementary school, you know, the Soviets were the ones to beat in the world. And they were also, um, evil um, communist people that we were all to be afraid of and very aware of and that extended even to the space race. Um, we heard different stories about their progress of all things uh, technical and so we that helped fuel or drive uh, our American generation and those older obviously that could do something about it into not just so much beating them for national pride, it was not that friendly of a competition because like I said, we were already in competition with the Soviets and very wary of their motives after uh, the Second World War ended. So you mentioned that, so you mentioned that you were like about nine or 10. So were they grooming you like a lot in the math and sciences, you know, in order to like, you know, gear you towards the more engineering route? objective subjects in school. So it's interesting to see yes. even with, yeah, Yes. It's like math class if yes. they're trying to still so yes that's a good question so I think I was in fifth grade math and our math teacher um, was a, a young man and um, he greatly inspired us to have a love of math and he presented it to the class and back then we didn't have um specialty classes. Everyone was just in one grouping. So honors mm -hmm. classes. Those had different categories for the different levels of students. You're all in one. Mm -hmm. um, and so he inspired a love of mathematics to his fifth grade class, Buckshead Public School and, in Texas. And um, he presented it to us like a mystery or a puzzle solving to solve math problems. He made it more like a fun game, kind of a friendly competition not so much against each other, but like I said, more math, more puzzle solving, mystery solving. And I I liked puzzles and I loved, and I still love mysteries. Not so good at puzzles anymore. Who doesn't? I, Who doesn't? You know. <laughs> so a lot of us, um, I don't know, say maybe out of a quarter of the class, um, as I went through public uh, school through with them and graduated from public high school with a lot of these same students, they went on to engineering STEM fields, STEM fields, mm -hmm. oh, okay. engineering like myself. And we attributed that to that one special math teacher we had in fifth grade, which was about the same time as the space program. Okay. Okay. So and I think that's interesting. An extension. I think to add on to that, I would be curious about because so a big element I think of you know our you know our human kind of understanding of space is you know the film industry with. TV productions or films, yes. and a lot of those 
have really harped on, you know, kind of the historical fictionalized stories in the films. Yes. On, you know, how it sometimes come down to where the characters are presented with a challenge and it really comes to solving a puzzle or like a math problem, some yeah. kind of calculation that's maybe yeah. back on Whether the they can keep their cool or something like that. Yeah, yeah. stay calm, cool and collective so and save humanity, save yourself, save your fellow mm-hmm you know shipmates whatever rocket mates so so that thread has was already woven from the 50s through uh, authors like ray bradbury sci-fi author um he inspired quite a lot and then from that they were um you know the star trek which i was never big i was never a trekkie but all that started basically from uh authors like ray bradbury in the 1950s his love of science sci-fi and really figuring out yeah the twilight so so programs in the 1960s were gear started gear around space not in a serious sense but in an entertainment sense but it made it more available to the general public like it's not just for a select few specialty scientists this could be for everyone in some fashion some form or fashion so i'm thinking right now you know for like our what about question if you could might be tough tell me if it's too tough to answer for everybody here Caribbean included if you could come up with like a word map of when you think of, you know, space, space travel, um, you know, the human effort to kind of learn more about space, discover more about space, get out there, learn things. What kind of words come to mind? You know, if you could make a, you know, like a word map of you just kind of have like in the middle is like space travel, space discovery, and they're just kind of any words that come that kind of surface up what kind of for you, Diane, what kind of pops up? Uh, I guess like lunar surface, maybe Mars, um, some of the other planets to explore, learning more about the sun, about the Earth's rotation, moon rocks, uh, moon vehicles that Mm -hmm. use the land, you know, the rovers. And not to be confused with time travel per se, even though in a way it is sort of a, could be viewed as a time travel, time continuance maybe. But not to be confused with the earlier works of, say, the author H.G. Wells, who was more to literally time travel, like the time machine. And you, Stephanie? I think mine are more abstract. Uh, okay. okay. <laughs> Which, no, but this is not, I mean, that's not, no wrong answers. Yeah, mine it's, are pretty simplistic. No wrong answers, but. No, no, it's, it's I'm, I'm not saying that mine are great either. <laughs> like discovery, exploration, yeah. great beyond, um, just kind of like there's, there's no ending to how much can be found or discovered or inventions even like there's so many different inventions that resulted from the space race i think the internet was you know a big uh, byproduct of you know like the military funded things to you know create intercommunications between people and things and facilities um you know just so many amazing things that we take for granted today i can't even come <laughs> um you know like they they say like our calculators that school children use um has more computing power than the (laughs) the computers that we use to send man to the moon which i find incredible like our iphones um have more computing Mm -hmm. power than Mm -hmm. you know um the satellites did back then which is ridiculous Mm -hmm. to think about considering you know sometimes we complain how terrible they are but no they (laughs) they really are truly amazing little feats of engineering and um and science and collaboration between a lot of artistic and and really great scientific people and a whole bunch of different it's it's a great way to unite humanity because i don't know what part of humanity doesn't like hope <laughs> you know i'm kind of i think it's a great point right up at the very end there something and, and and i think for me my word map to answer the question um it is kind of maybe similar maybe both of what you shared so i definitely have these traits like discovery perseverance determination you know just blood sweat tears of really um you know and thinking very creatively um Mm -hmm. and out of the box um but also just an openness and a lot lot of them are names of actual missions um perseverance um endeavor endeavor i guess i was a ship more than challenger challenger yeah so like and i I think you know subconsciously hearing those names kind of confirm in my mind of what i associate with this whole effort um but i think per your 
and you know, so just yeah, just really and just learning about new materials, new species, new organisms, new ideas of creation. I, I do think a lot about with you know, in terms of the theory of relativity, I, I also incorporate a lot of time relation, different timelines, um, string theory. I incorporate that as well. I think that might be because of where physics developed and how my learning of physics included a lot of more that more modern physics mm -hmm. in my education. Um, so I don't associate those things as you did, Diane, with like more sci-fi. To me, those are more like, mm -hmm. well, that's actually more uh, real. 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 I, yeah. I, love, I love how a lot of sci-fi, I mean, not all sci-fi became real, yeah. but like a lot of stuff that wasn't, you know, in sci-fi inspired people to dig deeper you know, either to invent something that was similar to something that happened in sci-fi or to dig into some theory that actually may be rooted in some sci-fi, but actually, you know, it's actually a very real thing, like, you know, string theory or um, the multi-parallel universe. universe. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I love that people have been inspired by pieces of fiction to investigate like reality. I like your point you made, Stephanie, about kind of how it does see this whole field does seem to I mean it might seem a little grandiose but you know kind of does unify humanity to a different degree that other things don't mm -hmm. um and I think that reminds me a lot of a kind of a famous photo from the Apollo 11 mission yeah um, taken by one of the crew members Michael Collins who Michael Collins sorry who passed away earlier this year yes um you know because he was kind of still stationed to stay kind of be orbiting the moon mm -hmm. um and he took a photo of where his position was at that had showed the lunar module, moon, and earth. And it, and it was just, I think it just said like lunar, the official title of the photo was like lunar module, earth, moon, and earth. But kind of the takeaway was just showing out it was Michael Collins, like it was like a picture of the whole earth and who lived on it, excluding Michael Collins. Yeah. Um, because he was in orbit for like 28 Real hours. stories behind the photographer. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, it, and just so that objectively, <clears throat> as objectively kind of unifies the human race because it's like that in that picture, they're literally all in that picture at once, kind of. Yeah. Um, I love looking at like horizon pictures from like the Hubble Space Telescope because a horizon, not, I mean, the Mars River one, fantastic, but uh, that, maybe it was New Horizons, but also just like horizon pictures of space mm -hmm. um because yeah, I, I think you have that in your in your decor of your place don't you yeah i do i do um <laughs> mostly because it's very colorful but also because it's got the big blue marble and you know the sun peeking over it and i mean you take it for what you will sunrise sunset but there's something that just like draws uh, me deeper i guess into uh, looking further about like how far can you go um in terms of like i don't know I think another interesting element, like a kind of more big picture element, is at least like in for Stephanie's generation, and maybe you guys have that too. But you know, uh, growing up in the states, as far as for NASA and also, I mean, the European Space Administration (ESA). I mean, my my feeling is that they've been quite open with education and sharing, you know, and sharing information and posting you know, photos or feeds and explaining how quite a few, I'm sure maybe some of it's classified, but I feel quite a great deal of what goes on in space. Like one of my favorite YouTube channels, and we'll definitely put this in the description. It's called, the channel is called Videos from Space. Mm -hmm. And it's, it shows astronauts that are up in the ISS, like them to like, how do you wash your hair in space? Is it a and live feed or is it just like a, like Q&A kind of it's like sessions are scheduled yeah. okay gotcha like it was like, like chris hadfield he was up there for a while he did some that's of right videos. okay and it was just okay. like answering like very simple fun questions but then there'd always be an explanation like they would include like a scientific explanation for why why does water water move differently when mm -hmm. you're in like zero gravity kind why of are you floating around and you can't mm -hmm. be in one still in one place and it's just it's cool for people of all ages to yeah. learn and see all like, backgrounds. It's so cool just to see how things are different or they go on spacewalks and they'll do the live stream that you can tune into. Mm -hmm. And but now with you know YouTube and streaming, it's very easy. You don't have to sit, you know, like you did when you were a kid, time it for the television program. Right. But I've always I've always really enjoyed that openness, um, given that yeah i always really that. enjoyed going to like the science museums and then seeing them like mm -hmm. explain how rockets work or like how the you know different aspects of the solar systems and the planets and how they were able to function you know and hold themselves yeah. together or something and 
I always found like, especially the rocket launch videos, very um, inspirational. Yeah. Uh, some something about how NASA like edits it, but also like the engineering and all the work and toil and hard hours, mm-hmm. like you mentioned, Michelle. Um, and then to see like the the mission control celebrate when you know the mission's successful, they're able to like you know launch the rocket out into space and nothing you know falls apart or not you know they land back safely and everyone's like hugging each other and crying. Like you can tell <laughs> there was a video recently um, some, you know, during COVID times, um, this man, I forgot what position he is, but he he was part of, the you know, some satellite program and he had been working the entirety of COVID and at his home office. You know, I guess all this all this projection stuff was just theoretical until finally they launched it and he his family was filming him and you could see the tears of joy. And everyone being very excited that he was able to launch his project and it took mm-hmm. off and did very well. But it's just extraordinary. It doesn't matter what time it is. It's just, uh, you know, the emotion still carries. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, um, yeah, no, definitely. I think, um, yeah, I think, yeah, de- I think I, I, I focus a lot on the whole unification of it all. Um, I think also because where we are in human history as well with of course there's for me there's still that 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 list that we still have as as a as human species to really discover um of what's unknown so my list is like there's definitely space which is so much Um, but something that things that are actually physically closer to us are you know we have not figured out everything that's on earth's surface Um, there still is so little known about oceans and especially in the aliens of the deep. The, yeah, the deep mm-hmm. depths of the ocean. I also think about just between our ears, how little is known about our brain. <laughs> True. Um, True. What is a conscious? Um, wait, what are these, how does what a are consciousness form? When when does it start? You know, with like exactly. animal creatures. Um, and I feel like, yes, yeah, space exploration is definitely on that list. And there's no way to really measure. I think we can only measure how much we've learned or think we've learned. But we have no but idea against how what? How do we even measure yeah, how that? much like, is left? What is what's like the, the perspective? You know, Einstein's thing of relativity. Like, I mean, it's different, but it kind of puts a lot of things in perspective. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think you know another kind of famous theory is you know um, Fermi's paradox, right? And addressing you know just a, a take on the feasibility or likelihood of there being you know, alien life forms around. You know, there's kind of three possible. Oh, that- it's it's like there's definitely life forms but whether or not they're communicable um to you know human equivalent understanding is different because i mean you could say ants are life form or even protozoa but can they communicate i i mean maybe they communicate to each other but not in a way that we understand and vice versa right so but i think i always been curious about that fermi's paradoxes is that three spots i don't know the specific order but i always had a fourth one that Maybe you guys could argue. Re- refresh, it. refresh in Terabang yeah. on in what? Terabang, yeah. So Fermi's yeah. paradox, um, uh, by the famous, you know, you know, I know, like you know, the Fermi lab, but you know, named after the famous science uh, physicist, um, and it was just discussed like the kind of the feasibility of there being alien life form, and so it's saying either you know they don't exist. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, or we just yet to find them, or like they've already, you know, or we've already, they've already found us, we're not communicating, mm-hmm. or we will destroy ourselves as a species before anything is confirmed kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I've always been curious about, you know, what if they've already existed and they're already communicating with another species on Earth? Why yeah, what makes humans be, so special? Why does it have to be humans that are, like, what if, you know, I just definitely I think maybe, maybe it's just like finders keepers. Like, look at those mitochondria. They were, you know, something else, and then they merged yeah, in with. They were, you know, I mean, Stephanie, you have a pet cat. Q. Um, <laughs> I mean, maybe your your cat is. Uh, maybe you've heard the little jingles. <laughs> yeah, cat is. Yeah, there's, there is a Doctor Who episode about um, how cats are aliens. It's um, I forgot what the episode. I think it's called Gridlock, and um, I think the. The doctor and his companion go visit this planet, and they're run by cat people. And yeah, like initially, the the companion like doesn't know any better, and so she goes to like the middle of the ship, and there's some kittens, and they're really adorable. But then they turn really feral because you know it's an unknown thing. 
Um, and turns out that the mother and father are like cat people who happen to talk English, speak in English. But that's because <laughs> I think the 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 time travel machine, the TARDIS, is able to translate things conveniently <laughs> for yeah. those. So yeah, the the cat theory has already been <laughs> spelled out in science fiction in some capacity. <laughs> but I think it's been cool. I mean, Absolutely. Recently, you know, I mean, because the Pentagon has recently released a lot of footage of what they're kind of calling a like UFO footage and things, and um, you know, they're not confirming or denying, but they're releasing yeah. kind of these found really... just naval ships and things, mm-hmm. and things flying kind of in unusual patterns in the air and or diving the ocean. And I you see you talking about like UFOs, or they're not calling it UFO. I don't know. I don't think they formally have called them UFOs, but they're like they're non-claimed flying objects but people are concluding that there's strange UFOs. strange like observational phenomena that mm-hmm. okay, aren't necessarily so. explained by traditional okay. knowledge like, of what they don't follow like regular physics and flights and okay regular patterns yeah mm-hmm. okay yeah and you always hear stories of that but <clears> i think the past and it's been the past couple of years that depending on at least been releasing that to the public of like here's mm-hmm. some videos we've had like for years now do with them what i don't i don't know how much to trust them because fo- exactly. i mean photoshop is i mean first of all it's like watching finding like looking for bigfoot it's always some kind of like weird blurry image it's never like mm-hmm. super high resolution even though you think that the iphone cameras these days or you know other brands are available um like the the quality would be decent even maybe it's far away. i don't know just like and so okay. much can be photoshop like cgi is an amazing but you know it's a powerful tool you know, people are making deep fakes of everything um, under the sun and beyond. And so uh, there's so much that I'm not a denier, but I'm also like a, you know, uh, you know media, not yeah, a media proper media. believer. Yeah. Skeptic, Just maybe. neutral skeptic. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Well, even in the like, 50s and 60s, when there were all these alien sightings, once again, when the sci-fi started becoming popular in the 50s and they'd say mm-hmm. in Mexico, like Roswell, New Mexico, oh, there's yeah. an alien sighting or a ship landed and, you know, there's a big crater in the ground. Here's where it landed and took off, you know, and yeah. that was before high-tech photography and resolution and sure. pixels and all that. And so, I mean, you'd see these images and you're like, uh, you still are skeptical even before technology was so great. I remember the crop circles and the Nazca lens. Have you heard of these? Yeah. So yeah. The, the Nazcas were, um, are, I don't know if they're still existing. Um, no, these Native no, Americans. They're, they're ancient, ancient people. Yeah. They, they lived around like the New Mexico, kind of Southwest United States um, mm-hmm. area. And they were able to create these enormous images. We're talking like you have to see them from a plane to see like the scale of, um, and they'd be, depict like, um, their gods at the time or you know some something that was symbolic and important to them um and the people who were trying to study were, were more like this is very difficult to like create on land without having this oversight you know of like <laughs> how to create this thing from such a detailed level um and then so i think people later on try to do that with crop circles and cornfields um and they would just take a plank and you know like drive their truck around in like a certain fashion and kind of stamp down the the corn stalks so that it would create like circles or squares or whatever design that they wanted and i think the key is just to like know where you're going you know like five steps to the left and just keep it standard um but yeah so people were uh for a while really convinced that those were aliens (laughs) creating these images for whatever reason um (laughs) you know they're only visible by by like aerial so um i don't really know what aliens were hoping for if that were to be the case but uh, i let people believe what they want to believe as long as they're not hurting yeah, people, people right are just curious uh-huh. about things and yeah so this the free space program sure. this sci-fi this myth perpetuates itself and people really buy into it or they're really convinced that i really did see whatever they thought they saw sure. they have seen, yeah um unexplainable like michelle was talking about earlier but yet like you were saying earlier starting with being skeptical and then with the advancement in the space program and then technology, like you mentioned, you know, why isn't stuff more proven now that we mm-hmm. have the technology to do a better job of that? Sure. It's still not quite proven, all these things. It just adds to more curiosity and, 
you know, it, it fuels itself. And yeah, I believe the curiosity is a good thing because it inspires people to dig deeper, yes. deep, dig further, or dig deeper, mm-hmm. see what's out there. Maybe something, maybe nothing, but you never know what you might find. And I think another extension of that is how kind of recently space exploration, space exploration has been somewhat taken on by the private sector. Yeah, yeah. Um, with things like um, space SpaceX or, or uh, Virgin Airlines and mm-hmm. Virgin Atlantic. Yeah, yeah, Virgin Atlantic. Sorry, um, and brands and unsuccessful compared to. And there's us. been and, and a few other countries, uh, companies, yeah. sorry, that have been trying to you know, create their like literally their own spaceship, which I think I would feel like 50, 100 years ago sounds wild, but yeah. like, no, there's someone who's on their own, you know, gotten funding and. Getting closer to the Starship Federation. Well, for example, SpaceX, you know, with Musk, he's in a lot of collaboration with NASA, NASA engineers. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, a lot of them with NASA being defunded over the years have jumped over to these private sector programs like SpaceX. Mm-hmm. So he's, these private companies are reaping the, the NASA technology. And uh, although NASA, of course, still exists, so they're able to share a lot in between mm-hmm. them, which is great. You know, it doesn't have to rely on the federal government to fund them anymore. Now mm-hmm. we can have private sector pitching in, which is great. So those programs are very welcomed, I think, and a, a good contribution. I think that one quote, because I think, I mean, we're not able to really predict or understand. We just receive the news and read about it, about you know, what next steps are. But you know, Elon Musk has identified that Mars is kind of of his interests Mm-hmm. to look into and you know get more the people next, on at least yeah. and i think there is a quote that's been resurfacing of his saying that he is very open and understanding that there is a chance that many people could lose their lives in an effort to yeah land on mars and right. i think that's I mean, that strikes me interesting because with most projects of any kind today there's so much safety and regulation done that you know a casualty on a work project is really highlighted. Whereas a couple hundred years ago, maybe even more recently, just go and do it. Whatever it takes. And if lives were lost, that was yeah unfortunate, but it wasn't as you know as huge of a concern. I think these days people are held more accountable. Like corporations are held mm-hmm. a lot more accountable if there were things that could have been prevented. And you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty, right? So. Uh, I mean, not to belabor the year, but, um, but, you know, so if people are going to be held accountable, you know, things are going to be put to a higher standard. Why didn't you do this or that? You know? Um, Yeah. The context of his quote was kind of in reference to some of those like um, explorations to the polls where it was just well advertised that if you want to come, fine, but you really might never return. You have to accept, yeah, the reality. Um, Be cautiously optimistic. Can we do that now with things? Yeah. Um, And genuinely people will be okay with... And, like, be aware that your travel time is not, like, a normal 30-second or 30, you know, whatever, eight-hour trip to, you know, whatever other continent you want to go to. It's, you know, a good couple of years for the long haul before you get there. So I guess, like, in the spirit of any great exploration, even back in the hundreds of years ago when people came to discover America and other continents, you know, it was a big risk. A lot of yeah. people didn't make it or half the crew died for whatever reason. Thought they might fall off the face of the earth. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> things like that. So I guess he's maybe making that statement. Well, one, of course, for he doesn't get you know, liable for people not making it. I <laughs> wonder, you know, maybe this is another what about question, um, but like, I wonder what um, if we had introduced or somehow, right, like we've already blown, you know, the we, we've traveled back in time. We've taken Christopher Columbus or some other explorer. Um, and, you know, so they've they've gotten over the fact that we could time travel. <laughs> what about <laughs> if we could introduce that we could space travel um, and like say, hey, you don't have to just discover America. Say they've just discovered America, mm-hmm. you know, figured everything out, talked to their people and like, hey, okay. so they've already discovered it. And then they're like, hey, we can go to the even greater beyond <laughs> and then like put them in astronaut helmet send them off to you know at least at least just orbit earth maybe not even like send them to the moon or, or um mars but at least you know have them see like hey look this is where you live there's more <laughs> um you know and they, they were navigating by the stars and maybe they could see the stars a tiny little bit closer 
Um, but I wonder how they would react to that. Would they be like, yeah, let's, let's explore some more. Like, oh, this is this is way too much for me. I'm a little bit too overwhelmed. Send me back to where I belong. Um, oh, I wonder what, how what they would take preference? it. Yeah, exactly. That is an interesting question. I think one question I also have to add is, you know, given you're working on, on a space exploration mission, um, you know, what role would you like to have? Do you want to be the one that's you know strapped into the front seat and put into the little module and actually put on the new planet or whatever new surface and you have to go out there and take the samples? Do you want to be back at mission control on Earth? Um, not even on the microphone? Do you want to be do you want to be the countdown person or do you want to be the coordinate person? You know, or do you want to be all you know on the Maybe you want to still be going up to space, but just be staying and based on the ISS, you know, the space station. Um, has has the idea of ever being an astronaut working for an organization like NASA or SpaceX ever been of interest to you growing up as a career option? I think that two questions there for, for, for everybody. Well, that kind of brings me back to what you were asking earlier about influences when I was younger and first saw that in the late 60s. Um, we all thought many things were possible due to, like I said, the sci-fi, the moon landing. So we didn't really under fully understand what all was involved. We just thought that was quite something. We didn't know what part we were, would it be able to play, if any. But so many people were so excited about the prospect that that drove a lot of people into STEM, like we mentioned earlier, before it was actually called STEM, per se. Um, but we just wanted to be a part of it somehow, some way, some small part, big part. Um, just wanted to, did, until you, you actually get into it, get into university and start thinking, well, wait a minute, this is a little bit more than just uh, the academics. There's so much training and physicality involved and mental training and so yeah, but. Yeah, it was a it was a big eye opener for us in so many ways, for opportunities that never existed had not previously existed before. And then what about who would you want to be on a space mission? Ooh, if you you don't have to, if you have an answer, no answer that's fine. I don't have an answer. Right, I don't know. It's you mean of the original space crew? Doesn't have to be because yeah. I think like. The question it can be the original, it can be like they've already done this stuff a couple of times and you know you're just being oh, sent like out for mission number space. twenty in the international space station. You it's sure you're choosing. Uh, yeah. Uh I'd like to think I would be brave and want to venture out and see a uh, different uh surface, lunar surface perhaps. Yeah. But in reality, especially as I age, <laughs> I started thinking maybe I should just be a mission control or the you computers. like you, you like your bed too much. You, yeah. like, you like going home. You like going to get your coffee at your favorite coffee yeah, place. Yeah, sitting in my adjustable bed and you know having my creature comfort. Go on walks. Go to a park whenever you feel like it. Yeah. Okay. And not be floating around, tossing upside down, and yeah, yeah, like fighting for oxygen all the time. Yeah, yeah, and eating like freeze dried foods or whatever they have now. Which brings me to the next thing I was going to mention about some of the products that were launched uh, because of the space original space shuttle. Um, I actually looked some of I remembered a few, but I looked at a few. There's so many myths that came out of the initial, mm -hmm. like, oh, they invented microwaves and MRIs, and um, because uh, in my generation, even though it was an exciting adventure people were questioning the cost, the federal government cost of funding these missions. Oh. And they're like, we're spending X amount of dollars. You know, we need that for, uh, like we do now, you know, for social programs or infrastructure. And why are we so-called wasting so much money to go space, you know, a new frontier. So, so they were trying to, uh, the space program was trying to prove its worth, not just for people that were truly interested, but just for practical everyday Civilians. American civilians. Civilian it's like, hey, you know, these are some of the things we've brought back and we've learned from, and now you're able to use it in your everyday life. And uh, some of the real simple, basic stuff, they had like felt pens. Really? Um, yeah. Huh. Uh, one thing, one product I remember and loved as a child was like powdered orange juice that the astronauts had. Dang. In space. 
Hey. No wonder, because there's like the chimp. The and the campaign involved the chimp being in space. That yes. makes so much yes. sense. And that was so popular back when I was young, the tang. Because yes. it was just in a jar and it was orange, some kind of orange powder mixed with sugar, white granular sugar. And you mix it up with a glass of tap water and a glass and you had instant orange juice. And it was sweet and it was very addictive. <laughs> <laughs> well, the ad campaigns, I think, are now questioned today oh. because... It definitely looks like it's more than just sugar, to put it lightly. Oh, and that okay. and like Kool Aid, yeah. Because yeah, <laughs> I remember the chip in the ads is like wired. super hyper. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's kind of was if you drink too many glasses okay. of tang, you're like wire. Don't you want to be so energetic? I guess I guess the equivalent now would be like the energy drinks or like Red Bull. You know, yeah. they're doing all those crazy yeah, stunts. Yeah. Yeah. So there, it was easy, you know, it was inexpensive, it was easy for parents, you didn't have to worry about refrigeration. Sure. You know, kids can make it themselves without making a big mess. So it was like a big breakthrough because we didn't have yeah. a lot of instant foods when I was young. There were a lot of things were still homemade. Packaging was coming in like products and, but anyway, uh, another item, a couple other items I had I wanted to mention was Teflon. Mm-hmm. And that was a great. Yep. Yeah, that's a big one. Yep. Um, was used on you know frying pans so that oh yeah a lot of a lot of you know back then when there was more home cooking especially um and another product i was really impressed with was velcro yes for those who don't want to tie their shoes Wait. for example that was invented for nasa or it was actually invented by a swiss yeah person in the 1940s because i remember they were like walking but like mass production by NASA. oh yeah, okay so it like became more popular new- it was gotcha. Follow missions, yeah, to anchor equipment for astronauts. That makes sense. And so then it became, like you say, mass-produced, popular for a lot of products. But yes, it was pre-NASA. Shoes, but yeah. NASA made it famous, and you know, that's incredible. Uses. Yeah. So I wanted to no, share that. Thanks for sharing. I think products that we take for granted or forget about. No, I was now. thinking about the age of plastic. That was in the '60s, kind of around the same time as yes. well happening on its own but i would yes. imagine with the space race this push for new technology mm-hmm. to achieve new things that that might have helped even further oh, yeah. introduce other products polymers and material yes. science for sure yes um, that's right yeah even though it's not a direct correlation but close no thanks for sharing oh sorry i skipped if you still care to answer Stephanie, <laughs> the questions i asked about Oh, I wanted did you, like, to do be on that. a mission, or, or did you? Did you ever think about being an astronaut yourself? Or? All of my life, <laughs> I think you know when when uh, people would ask you, you know, when you're early age, young, um, like what what do you want to be when you grow up? Default answer was it was a lot of things, but one of the few many things was astronaut, as well as like I don't know, doctor, archaeologist, <laughs> like a whole yeah. host of other things. Yeah. You know, oh, sure. every possible <laughs> occupation under the sun. Um, <laughs> And then as I grew older, I was like, yeah, like you mentioned, Diane, um, physicality is not my strongest suit. So I was like, I don't know if I could handle all these trees. Um, yeah. So uh, I was like, and I didn't really care for the the fame aspect um, of it. You know, like, you know, having your face plastered, um, you know, on all the newspapers, like, yeah, Neil Armstrong made it to the moon. You're awesome. So I was more interested in maybe like the behind the scenes aspect, mm-hmm. whether it's mission control or engineering the the actual you know stuff or you know um being even like flight commander a communicator who like would talk to the astronauts um mm-hmm. and see what's going on that that kind of intrigued me um so yeah it definitely kind of helped me go towards like I guess the stem fields as you mentioned uh and yeah so I think about space often <laughs> as you guys can probably tell from a lot of the ambient music that i listen to um but yeah yeah so the whole the whole range i think michelle mm-hmm. yeah. no, how about I like, you no. i think um for me I, as i touched on an earlier point in this episode you know, for what i identify as kind of on our list of things that we really know not a whole bunch about um i've always been more interested in the brain research um, mm-hmm. Space has always been really interesting to me, but I've always recognized it's been definitely on the side. Um, I've always kind of it's been a more of a passion side project. Okay. Okay. Um, I've never wanted to be an astronaut hmm. um, ever, and I think I just didn't 
nothing in particular, just didn't want to deal with the testing of it all. Didn't really want to be stuck in space because I honestly love running through grassy open fields too much, like a bunny rabbit. Um, and space didn't include that. And I rely on that and open sandy beaches and warm sun and taking naps out on a rock. But, but what if, what if, you know, space agencies if the in planet the future, has those things, then I yeah. need to have a guarantee that those are all those amenities and I'm chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> sure. waiting for you. Yeah, I need to have a platter of chocolate chip cookies. Freshly sun-baked just for you. <laughs> yeah, uh, nice beaches and sand and soft grass. Um, but I think I, I always took away and was inspired by kind of the intentions and efforts and desires and, and work ethic and drives behind mm -hmm. space research um for sure for me um but i think as far as what kind of role i would take on in most projects um maybe kind of in the middle maybe okay. I, I don't tell it to be in mission control i won't want to be like right on the front on the helm of it all but uh maybe <laughs> kind of on this on the space station of things but uh, yeah and, and terabang that's a you know question some questions for you if you care to kind of think about for yourself if those ever crossed your mind but um i think for me i think ready for some music time how about you all sounds good some you know time. i love my jams about our jam time i think stephanie you're going to start off with the classic also sprock zarathustra by richard strauss um which may be better known as the opening song for from 2001 a space odyssey the stanley cooper film yeah, um, which the, is famously um, set in space. Felt we couldn't really make this playlist without having that be the beginning song. Um, so yes, it is quite popular, played quite a bit, but um, how can we not begin without? No, it's not a space playlist if you don't have it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but great film. I think they, and I looked at that film it actually came out in 1968. Um, so just you know, just before, but I think during the time where that was really of interest. But the sets that, that they built and the costumes, I think what they were kind of predicting things in space would look like with you know some of the images that they did, I thought was just phenomenal at the time in, in that in that film. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then second song is a David Bowie song, Moon Age Daydream. I love this song because it. I don't really know what it talks about to be honest. But it's just the hype and the zing and zazz, just like the flavor of the song is just so energetic and impactful. It just, to me, it speaks of like the hype of the era um, and like the energy mm -hmm. and excitement that people seem to feel, at least, again, I'm getting this from like second, third source, but that's how I feel when I look back at sources of, you know, what the space age was like, um, you know, and then at the beginning of the era. Mm -hmm. um yeah so i think that's a great song and then also um i guess for a more contemporary feel imagine dragons on top of the world it's a very um also positive feeling song um and their music video kind of spoofs the moon landing a bit um and kind of touches on the theory that oh <laughs> this was a hollywood concoction or was it real uh -oh, um, for people who yeah but it's kind of a fun take on it it's nothing too serious so please don't harp on about us and, um it, about your stance on this uh but yeah it's a great great song um and i thought they both speak to the excitement of you know the world space things um yeah, yeah. okay i'd like to talk the next song i'd like to talk about is rocket man by elton john and sir elton he sir? sir yes excuse me sir elton, elton john and um his longtime lyricist bernie coppin who actually wrote the song in 1972 so yeah. he was inspired um not so much by the moon landing as i initially thought but based on a ray bradbury short story um, huh. that he had just read and he was driving home and the story was in his mind and the, the lyrics of the song came to him. What was the story called? Uh, the Illustrated Man. Oh, I read that. Yeah, yeah. And so yeah, that makes sense, actually. There was a story in The Illustrated Man called Rock, The Rocket Man, mm -hmm. which yeah. is about how astronauts in the future would become sort of an everyday job, like going to the office. Or, I like that idea. Yeah, yeah so that's, that's cool. what his inspiration. 
And then what it, a commute. Yeah, probably down in England somewhere. In the early well, maybe days. they're already in space, and they're just kind of like, yes. oh, okay. like, oh, sorry. like I if they're already like, in the space yeah. station and they're just hanging out, like they that just wake up sense. and they're already yeah. there. I was thinking commute from Earth to space every day. Sorry. Oh no, no, no. yeah, I definitely said yeah. Like a zip from wormhole to wormhole to get to different galaxies. If you really yeah. are trying to make yeah. that thing happen one day. <laughs> so I thought that uh, that song was very interesting and the history of that song it is cool would be applicable to this podcast and that's a fun idea to think about is yeah because we our commutes are have already changed so much in the past hundred years but Mm -hmm. if that was another type of commute that you can have Mm -hmm. and then the next song i have is another um i guess song of the era um another david bowie song starman and uh space oddity and they both have um I guess SpaceX connections because they were um, both played when uh, what was the Falcon Heavy? Is that the one that got launched with the Tesla Roadster? And they had oh, a yeah. camcorder um, on it, and it yeah. was just projecting like the songs mm-hmm. and and the the live feed as it was uh, exiting Earth, and you know until a good ways out of orbit. But I, I say good ways because I think I watched the live stream. I had it on my computer for like I think I the, the first yeah. week, and it was still going. Um, and then after that, I think it went out of zone. But um, yeah, that's pretty incredible. Um, and I love how timeless those songs are. And I remember Space Oddity, particularly because I mentioned his name earlier, Chris Hadfield, the astronaut, um, NASA astronaut who's up with the ISS. Um, he played um an acoustic version of that yes. song in in um kind of to honor on ukulele yeah to honor David Bowie's passing and it was oh. kind of he created like a music video up there and it would just added a whole other that's music. cool yeah just because it's like the lyrics it's, make it seem I don't know it yeah it's such an interesting song <laughs> it's like it's like space exploration but after the excitement's over and then you're just kind of like you're you're left wondering like what what else is there left to do and then you kind of start pondering and i think for me just david bowie and i know others say bowie 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 um depends on where you're from jones um, <laughs> but um you know my dad introduced him to me at a young age and uh, when i was young and i always loved him as an artist and I feel that yes his you know these songs have direct connection to space but I felt he had those kind of qualities that we talked about in the kind of the word map question of just thinking outside the box very creative um not necessarily kind of sticking to certain labels that mm-hmm. I think space exploration also embodies um and probably probably pretty hard work ethic um Kind of push, yeah, always kind of questioning, questioning things. Um, push the envelope, pushing the envelope. Yeah. So I always admired him as, as an artist for that. And um, for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I think I'll take the next song again, has the word space literally in the title. Uh, <laughs> it is it's called Space Song Rather by Beach House. Descriptive, but, isn't it? Yeah. I think <laughs> this song is kind of a nice. Um, I don't know, it's kind of nostalgic feeling to it. It's kind of sweet, kind of gives you the sense of looking back and thinking about your life, not so that you've had to have done space travel or anything like that, but in your own little world, what kind of- It's reflective. Yes, it is very reflective. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to put, yeah, contribute that out there. And then we're gonna have a bit of a break with this little lighthearted ditty. Um, I say ditty, there's no words. It's called Shooting Star. It's kind of like elevated music. I kind of think of it more like um, intermission elevator music, um, or like if, if you were the Jetsons, you know, or like lived in the Jetsons the 1950s, world. The 1950s, like small music that they play, like in the commercials. It's just like, so optimistic. Oh, they just kind of like kind of uppity, zipping yeah, around, and it's very genre. casual. Everyone's yeah. happy. Sonic kind of genre. You're very upbeat. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna put forth Shooting Star as kind of like intermission music, if you will. <laughs> by Les Baxter. Yeah, we. In terms, we always have a blast. Stephanie and I and Diane was part of it today. Of you know, trying we have our, always our list of music, but if it doesn't seem that way, we do put an effort in trying to organize it in some cohesive <laughs> pattern so that yeah. we think makes sense as some kind of narrative. So 
we felt that the song of the day, there's kind of a natural break in them. So we got the shooting star again by Les Baxter would be a nice kind of interlude as we transition to the kind of the second half-ish of songs we have. It's like you've you've kind of like gone off, you, you've launched yourself and now, yeah. you know, the hype part of the beginning of the journey is starting to die down a bit. Yeah. Um, and then now we move on to... Beginning of Act 2, though, quite a different change of tone here. Um, the song is called Astronaut in the Ocean. Artist is Masked, Masked Wolf. Uh, it's, I wouldn't say it's kind of more of a trap, hip-hop kind of genre. Makes me want to work out a bunch and, you know, hit the ground running. But to me, it encapsulates that, you know, really gets you to focus, hone <laughs> down, um, you know, try to figure out the, pro- the problem. Sometimes for me, when I'm trying to focus and knock out problem sets I would have for schoolwork or something, having sometimes it's nice to have more ambient music but sometimes you want to have something that's more focused um and i think this song has it has it it mentions the word astronaut in the title as well um but you've landed on yeah. a planet or something a more more recent song yeah okay okay yes and then um i'll just Next one, um, Steph and I could probably say just together. Um, <laughs> friend of the podcast, friend of the podcast, Hans. Hans Zimmer uh, from his from his film Interstellar. Uh, will be many films that we love of his. Many uh, many of his music we love. We have picked No Time for Caution and S T A Y Stay. Um, those two tracks from the film Interstellar. Um, the very haunting and persistent. The film by Christopher um, Nolan. I think, um, again, Stephanie and I both have enjoyed listening to the entire soundtrack of the film. I think I think it's a great um, production. Great movie. Great, yeah. Um, great soundtrack, too. Remember, the soundtrack, what, what I learned is Han, Hans Zimmer was kind of told by Christopher Nolan that the movie was just about the kind of the connection between a father and daughter. Well, he at first they were told father and son because Hans has a son, so he was trying oh, to like write okay. it personally, and then <laughs> it then he was told his daughter. But you know the feel the sentiment's the same, right? But that the, there was no element of space to it, and so that's yeah, it was just a particularly sentimental, humanizing, very, yeah, very humanized. And then he's like, surprise, <laughs> <laughs> they and have extra distance. <laughs> And then I think for, for No Time for Caution, particularly for that track, one of my favorite moments um, in that film is the line said by Matthew McConaughey's character when they're faced with a really tough challenge that does not seem possible. It seems, it, it seems completely impossible. And he says the famous you know, line of, you know. No time for caution. Well, no, it didn't say the title. I can't <laughs> remember, it's been character. a while. It's, it's, it's not possible, but it's necessary. Yes, and he, just, and he just goes all in, and with the movie and it being Hollywood, they do pull it off successfully. But it is like when everything's against you. I love that line. So wait, um, isn't Matt Damon in that movie? He is, and he's also and he's in also the in The Martian. I've yeah, been meaning so to mention Space of, Potatoes. There's a lot um, of fan fiction to try to connect those two universes. Because I love that. I love it. That's where he goes mad. In Interstellar, it just talks about how he's left alone on a planet, and the Martian. Is- being left make those spuds a lot of overlap (laughs) (laughs) and they came around out like very close to each other yeah i think like martian came out a year after or so yeah Yeah. great movie both of them Mm -hmm. um and then uh oh yes and then we'd also like to introduce whole the planets speaking of mars um but this time we're going to include all of them not just mars i think jupiter's the most famous um of the pieces but yep all of them great nice ambient um is it peaceful i don't know some of it's a little bit it's your journey it's definitely more of a listening stressful thing. Uh, yeah listening journey for sure i wouldn't say peaceful i think you have to be open to whatever is brought your way yeah be adaptable just like all mm-hmm. those astronauts otherwise yeah. yep don't make it that's right Houston, we have a problem well, yeah indeed um, indeed yeah. indeed um and then next we have um by the by the group we are all astronauts indeed we are yes <laughs> <laughs> i mean yes i mean the astronauts isn't the title of the group name but i feel their music as a whole is also kind of fitting with an ambient setting so i suggest mm-hmm. it's the entire ep of 
uh, they came out with recently, I think it was last year in 2020, uh, Another World. Again, similar to The Planets, it kind of takes you on a journey, a different, definitely a different genre and different sentiment altogether, but I just wanted to include that whole EP together. I love, I love We Are All Astronauts um, because it feels like the music, it's good like to kick back and like work to or either busy work or just relaxing. It, yeah. uh, it's just kind of good, um, just background vibes and it's yeah it's like you're going into outer space and then you know you've got nothing but just darkness and some stars but you're still going and it's going and going and going (laughs) absolutely and i think that ties into um the next song that i want to give um before stephanie closes us out um it's Mm -hmm. by the group teddy bears very cute name uh the song is adorable Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a very kind of reflective to me whenever I listen to it I feel very alone and isolated which at first seems kind of dreary and sad and scary and depressing but there's something kind of comforting with with the tone in, in the song to me at least yeah and it's- so it reminds me of kind of just me freely floating alone in space with nothing but time to think about my life and my happenings and my things going on for me it's definitely another good reflective song, but I feel like it carries you. Like it, 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 it doesn't let you sit and um, stagnate over things. It kind of like helps you keep going forward. If that makes yeah. any sense, there's no forward in space, but you know, um, yeah. keep you going. Um, and that's kind of a similar vibe to my uh, last song, my, our last song for the playlist called "Contact" by you know my favorite group, Daft Punk. Um, also featuring uh, one of their one of their buddies, DJ Falcon. Who we should have we, we sorry, Interbank. Hmm. If this is your first episode, <laughs> good luck. Thank you for coming um, for our birthday podcast. Yeah. Diane, you know, being a friend of the podcast and listening to episodes, and me being a co-host, this this has been a bit of an ongoing thing in the past couple episodes. Let's just say it's hmm. not the first time we've heard Stephanie. No, I I understand it's wearisome, but I do have a reason. <laughs> Hey, hear me we out. We don't. Hear we don't want to. Yeah, we don't want to make you. We don't there, shame there is. No shame. There is a. There is a real, genuine story beyond my <laughs> infatuation and obsession oh, with this. Yeah. So, um, DJ Falcon. Um, he he. His name is Bob, or his skating name, or something is Bob. Anyway, that'll come relevant later. So, um, Daft Punk decided to put this song as their last song for their last album that they created, which I thought was sweet, um, but they felt that it needed to have some kind of like blast off thing to element to it. So they asked NASA, could they have access to all their mission recordings? And according to a couple of different reports, NASA gladly quote unquote um, gave them access to it. So I'm really excited that either someone in there or the entirety of NASA is a big fan of Daft Punk, in which case I applaud whoever gave the okay. Um, and so they got access to all their mission recordings and they ultimately ended up choosing uh, a recording from the very last mission, Apollo 17. Um, and from the speaker is um, the very last man who was on the moon, Eugene Cernan. Um, and he was talking to Bob, who is who was like the flight commander um but robert parker um who was like floating around in the capsule um and he was telling them about like seeing some mysterious flashing object um that's like rotating and it was ultimately determined to be like some uh of the one of the rocket fuel stages just falling back to earth um but still pretty cool um that they got like the last man on the moon to have a little snippet in the last bit of the song or it's like at the beginning of the song, but it's for their last song, for their last album. And oh my God, this is amazing. <laughs> um, beyond that, okay. So they've got that as an excerpt. I'm like feeling through your voice, just <laughs> um, and how so, big this is, yeah. So beyond that like sentimental bit, uh, the, the construction of the song, it builds layers upon layers such that it's, it sounds like a rocket is about to blast off. Like it sounds like my university laptop. <laughs> do you remember that uh, oh, i turned it I on yeah that and was, the the fan yeah. was somehow not working so it sounded like it was doing some really heavy work and people around me would tell me are you launching a rocket i'm like yes <laughs> that is my lifetime goal and so that reminds me fondly 
of my university Aww. laptop but also like it, it the hype for this just kind of keeps going and to uh, extend the con- the already long conceit extended metaphor for our playlist um you know the first half was launching an excitement um and then the second half was like oh you're venturing out into further space this last one is like you're going beyond the the communicable range like you're going further beyond no one can hear back from you but you're going where nobody else has gone before so have fun with that in a good way in a good way I didn't say in a very exciting <laughs> way but I meant like you you should be excited about going further um but yeah so I thought that it, it spoke volumes to me, which is why I absolutely insisted it on being blessed. So I hope you also feel that sentiment too in Terabang. Yeah, um, and that, um, yeah, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for the this. past year. And it's been a real journey. You're always welcome to join us back on our proper Odyssey missions to explore, <laughs> to explore new areas and things and learn more about ourselves and, and everything in the universe. And, um, blast off always with us even if we even if we go right straight up and then go right back down back into the water displacement um is displacement the longer one or distance the distance was worth it the journey was worth Mm -hmm. it yeah Yeah. Yeah. we stopped to see the flowers and also the stars we're always 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 here for you and to have have a good time and thank you diane for joining us again yes thank you You're welcome. Thank Um, you both. And congratulations on your one year anniversary and the 50th anniversary of the moon landing. Yeah. Yeah. 52, I believe now. Yeah. But uh, thank you everyone and and take care and have a lovely day and a lovely evening. We'll see you next time. Bye. Cheers.